Isaiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 10, we've been looking at the, the warnings that God has given to Judah, the southern kingdom, for their sin. Obviously, Isaiah, the Lord is using Isaiah to call the people uh, to repentance. That, that's his desire, of course. And uh, this morning we see here, beginning in verse 10, Isaiah 2, uh, 10, uh, warnings, uh, further warnings uh, of judgment. Now, uh, I think this judgment looks ahead to a variety of things, most certainly including the captivity, uh, but really, as we've said before, as we said last week, probably finds its full fulfillment in the tribulation, uh, judgments of the tribulation period. Uh, here's verse 10, enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust. Uh, this is how, no doubt, how the Jews will, will uh, uh, find themselves, how they will feel. Uh, they'll be inclined to hide themselves from the Lord during all the judgments uh, of the tribulation period. Isaiah says, for fear of the Lord uh, and for the glory of his majesty. Uh, that phrase, for fear of the Lord, it shows up 30 times uh, throughout the Bible. And here, uh, pretty clearly in context, has the idea of, hey, you do well to fear the Lord and, and his judgment. Uh, fear him now before his judgment, before his chastening, uh, before his correction is, is on you. Certainly, this would be the idea uh, that Isaiah has in mind, and certainly this is uh, uh, something that... Uh, unsaved, unrepentant Jews and, and Gentiles, similar Gentiles, uh, will find during the uh, tribulation period. Rich, we understand the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible teaches us that. Proverbs 9 and verse 10, uh, the fear of the Lord is, begin is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of holy, there we go, the holy is understanding. Lord, help us to have a proper biblical fear of you. Uh, that's a good prayer. You could pray, Lord, help us to have a proper biblical fear that would encourage uh, obedience to you. Uh, and Lord, I understand that in, in that we find a great wisdom. Proverbs 14 and verse 27 says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life uh, to depart from the snares of death. It does encourage uh, an obedience uh, in our hearts. Uh, sometimes people say, Pastor, what, what, what really is the fear of the Lord? Well, uh, make a note, please. Proverbs 8 and verse 13 does answer that question. Uh, Proverbs 8 and verse 13, there's Solomon. Uh, David's son Solomon writes under inspiration. He says, the fear of the Lord is to, do you know the verse? To hate evil, to hate evil. Uh, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth. Uh, do I hate? Uh, Proverbs 8.13 8, says the fear of the Lord is, is to hate evil. Lord, help us to hate that which you hate, sin and, and, and wickedness. Uh, enter into the rock and hide in the dust. This is how people will fear, uh, feel <laughs> uh, under the judgment that, that God will meet out if they will not repent. He says, for the fear of the Lord and for the glory uh, of his majesty. Now, the words glory and majesty appear together quite a few times in, in verses throughout Scripture, but this particular phrase only appears here in Isaiah 2, uh, the glory of his majesty. Uh, do you have a glorious Lord? Is, is he glorious? Uh, Webster says that the, the idea is the greatness uh, his greatness of appearance, his greatness of dignity, grandeur, dignity of aspect or manner. Uh, it's, it's the quality or state of a person or thing which inspires awe or should uh, and reverence in the beholder. And it's 
it's, let me try that again, Brother Gary. Uh, Webster writes, it's applied with particular propriety to God and to his works. Well, amen, I think we would agree with that. Uh, we have a glorious God who is indeed uh, majestic and uh, kind of good verse to look at, uh, uh, get a cross-reference cross down, Psalm 93 and verse one. Psalm 93 and verse one, there the psalmist writes, Brother Richard, the Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The word also established that it cannot be moved. Uh, we have a God who is glorious. He is majestic in every way. Uh, he is a God who calls his people to have a proper biblical fear of him. Lord, help us. We understand you love us. You're, you're a gracious and merciful God, but you've called us to have a proper fear uh, of you and your judgment also. Well, look with me in verse 11. There's a specific warning to Judah here. And, and Rich, I think we do well to see this as a, a principle that is a warning for us as well, uh, a warning of, of uh, against pridefulness and God's intention to threaten the, uh, forgive me, God's intention to correct uh, the, the pridefulness of Judah. Look at verse 11. The lofty looks of man uh, shall be humbled uh, in the haughtiness. Haughtiness and, and, and pridefulness, are, they're synonyms. Uh, haughtiness might have the idea of a pridefulness that causes you to look down at others. Probably a good way to understand that word. The, the lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men uh, shall be bowed down, uh, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. I think we talked about that phrase, that day, last week, would appear to be a reference to the, the time period that we, we call the day of the Lord, uh, really uh, from the, the tribulation period through uh, the millennium. So uh, the Lord obviously has, has a great disdain, a wrath against the sin uh, of pride, uh, and he intends during the tribulation period to judge uh, those who remain unrepentant, who refuse in their pride uh, to do so. Let's continue on here and I'll try to get through this with, with minimal comment if I can. George, it's hard for me. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to do that. Uh, look, look here in, in verse 12. Uh, For uh, the day of the Lord of the hosts shall be upon everyone uh, that is proud and lofty. Again, pretty clearly looking ahead to the tribulation period. Uh, and everyone that is lifted up or prideful, uh, he shall be brought low. The Lord will humble the prideful. Uh, verse 13, and upon all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up, a, a picture of pridefulness here, poetic uh, picture. And upon all the oaks of Bashan, and upon all the high mountains, and upon all the hills that are lifted up, and upon uh, every high tower, and upon every fenced wall, and upon all the ships of Tarshish, and upon... Uh, all pleasant pictures and the loftiness of man uh, shall be bowed down uh, and the haughtiness of men shall be made low uh, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Uh, Rich, it seems to me if God intends to judge pridefulness of the unrepentant Jews during the tribulation period, 
we ought to get a hold of the idea that he really hates pridefulness. Uh, he, he has a great wrath against pride. The uh, Lord has a, a, a great desire, clearly, that his people would humble themselves, that they not need to be corrected uh, for their pridefulness. May I ask you this question this morning? Has God humbled you? <laughs> has God humbled you? Gary would say, yes, thank you, Lord. Uh, yes, thank you, Lord. Uh, he has. Uh, he has. Pride is probably one of our most significant temptations. It's probably the thing that we share as a common uh, struggle and battle. And Gary, I think we would agree it's, it's so much at the root of so much of the sin that we fall into, right? Uh, a prideful decision to pursue the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, satisfying the pride of life. Uh, it's, it's really at the root of so much of our temptations. Uh, Lord, help us to uh, be humbled. Lord, help us to make you Lord of Lords, King of Kings of, of me. Uh, Lord, help me to just be humbled uh, in my heart that I not have to experience a, a trial, a judgment, a, a correction from you uh, that would humble me. Um, I, I used to know a man who would say he prayed that, that God would humble him. And Gary, that's a, that's a bold prayer. But it's a prayer that um, recognized a, a pridefulness in his heart, one that he knew that uh, if, if he, God didn't deal with it, if he didn't deal with it, God would deal with it. So he asked the Lord to help him do that. It's a bold prayer. Uh, verse 20, uh, well, go back to verse 18, the idols uh, he shall utterly abolish, uh, he will abolish idols in that day. Of course, he did that in, in the, um, the captivity as well. Verse 19, they shall go into the holes of the rocks, hiding themselves into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. Again, the tribulation period. Uh, Jesus, of course, in the gospel speaks to uh, this same time with similar language. For example, in Luke 23 and verse 30, Luke 23, 30, Jesus says, then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, uh, cover us. Say that they, they'd rather be covered by the hills uh, than experience the judgment of the Lord. And certainly that's, that's understandable. Verse 20, in that day, a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship to the moles uh, and to the bats in the correction uh, of the coming, um, uh, coming judgment uh, during, during the course of, of their lives, the captivity, uh, as well as in the tribulation period, people will in fact be corrected. They, they will cast off their idolatry uh, rooted in their, uh, their pridefulness and, and God will deal with them. Verse 20, in that day a man shall, we read that, verse 21, to go into the clefts of the rocks, the tops of the ragged rocks, for the fear of the Lord. They'll discover a proper biblical fear of the Lord for the glory of his majesty. Several times now we've seen that language when he arises to shake terribly the earth. C.C. Uh, for man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of? Uh, there's, a, there's a great picture of God's correction uh, if they would not get right, for those who would not uh, get right. Gary, I'm thankful this morning that when I struggle to get right with the Lord, I can at least confess that this thought or this action is sin. I can at least agree with God that the thing that I'm tempted to do or that which I am doing, which is sin in his eyes, is just that, sin in his eyes. 
I can at least agree with God, and then I can ask the Lord to help me yield myself to him uh, and look to him for grace and strength to put off the sin uh, and to put on uh, righteousness, to put on obedience. Of course, the people of Judah could have done the same thing. Uh, they could have done that and avoided the correction of the captivity. Uh, Jews that will be corrected during the coming tribulation period uh, could avoid that uh, by getting saved now, before the rapture, before the tribulation period. We understand that. Anyone today can avoid the judgment of hell uh, by simply repenting of sin and coming to Christ today. Uh, aren't you glad this morning that we can know that with certainty? Is anyone here worried uh, that you'll spend even a moment in hell? Are you worried about that this morning? It's just not possible, right? You couldn't if you wanted to. And, and why would you want to? Lord, thank you for, for all of your warnings. And Lord, thank you uh, for the certainty uh, of the gospel. Let's, let's march right ahead now uh, into chapter 3. Chapter 3 uh, continues sort of in the same vein. Uh, it is an indictment of specific sins uh, together with a promise, a prophecy, uh, a, a prophecy of the Lord Gary's promise, right? If God says it's going to happen under certain circumstances, it's going to happen. We, we understand that prophecy or, or promise from the Lord. Uh, I think we, we look at a chapter like chapter three, we do well uh, to study through it for uh, certain things. Certain, let, me, let me try it again. We do well to study through it, looking at certain uh, sins, actions, behaviors, attitudes, uh, that offended God in Isaiah's day, uh, that which he found amongst the people of Judah, and uh, asked, Lord, search our own hearts and our own lives. Lord, if that problem is in my heart or my life in this day, uh, show me that. Search my heart and uh, give me a heart to yield to you and, and to know your strength, to put it off and to put on obedience in its place. Uh, there's a warning here first. Uh, we find in the first part of the chapter, the Lord says, listen, uh, if, if you don't get right, there's going to be all kinds of correction, uh, and that correction is going to have all kinds of consequences uh, in Judah. He said there'll be social consequences and political consequences and economic consequences. There'll be military consequences. We, we'll see if we get to the end of the chapter this morning. I don't know if we will or not, but uh, he wants them to understand that uh, when God begins to pour out correction uh, as a result of their sin and, and refusal to repent, it, it's going to be all-encompassing. It's, it's not a small thing. They'll not be able to uh, ignore it. It will impact them. It will affect them. It will not be something that they could just easily brush off uh, or ignore. And of course, the correction of, of God in our life today, while it's the loving correction, of a loving father, uh, it can't be easily ignored today either. Look here in verse one, uh, economic correction, Isaiah warned of this. Uh, Isaiah three, verse one, for behold, uh, the Lord, the Lord of hosts uh, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread, 
uh, in the whole stay of water. They've been blessed up to this point for their uh, partial obedience, at least. God has uh, prospered them uh, personally and, and corporately. He's, he's met their needs. He's blessed them economically uh, with all that they need. Uh, but if they would refuse to get right with God, he intended, among other corrections, uh, to lift that hand of his blessing uh, that would uh, cause them to, to know some, some hardship and uh, less plenty and, 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 and more economic uh, trial. There would be political consequences in the land as well. Uh, he would remove leaders who had been relatively righteous, at least at times, uh, and set up those who would be uh, less qualified and, and I think the implication is less righteous uh, and, and create political instability uh, throughout the land. Look at verse 2, the mighty man uh, and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent uh, and the ancient. The ancient probably refers to the older wise men uh, who would be called upon at times for counsel. Uh, verse 3, the captain of the 50 military leaders and the honorable man uh, and the counselor uh, and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator. Uh, we'll, we'll see here, the Lord says, listen, part of the judgment that I'm going to pour out into the land is the, is the taking down, uh, the, the setting down, the, the removal of these who I have used to govern uh, and, and, and to provide a, a political stability uh, throughout the land. If you persist uh, in refusing to repent of sin and, and refusing uh, to get right. The Lord says uh, in verse 4, he, he will take them down. Uh, in verse 4, he says, I will give children uh, to be their princes and, and babes uh, shall rule over them. Uh, you say, well, is, is that a problem? I think, Rich, if, if, if young children were ruling this land today, we understand that would probably cause uh, even greater instability than we, we have now. Does he literally mean children? Well, I think he means young people who are immature uh, and less qualified in, in various ways to uh, serve in, in the various places of leadership that we see uh, in verses 2 and 3. Uh, this would be part of, of God's judgment. He would put less qualified, less mature people uh, in the places of leadership, and that would cause political problems in the land. Uh, the Lord's corrective hand. Uh, further, uh, the people would suffer oppression from enemies. And uh, we know that this first would be the Assyrians ultimately, uh, and later the Babylonians, we, we know this. Verse five, the people shall be oppressed, uh, every one by another uh, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. Uh, the last part of that verse is certainly interesting also. It implies uh, growing social instability as well. Uh, yes, there'll be an oppression from enemies, first part of verse 5, but the second part of verse 5, uh, as the Lord uh, poured this correction into the land uh, and, and as people just continue to persist in, in prideful disobedience to the Lord, that would have an effect on the children, a spiritual effect, uh, which would have a social effect uh, throughout the land. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient, the older, the older uh, folks. 
uh, and the base against the honorable. There will be a growing social instability uh, in the land, and this would be a result of God's corrective hand uh, if they refuse to get right. Are you getting the idea this morning that God wanted them to get right? Amen? Uh, you, you could look at this and say, well, you know what? This is just dusty old history. It's in, way back in, in Isaiah's day. Again, we do well to look at this and say, hey, uh, this is the heart of God being revealed to the people of Judah in Isaiah's day. Gary, I don't think God has changed. I don't think his heart has changed. I don't think his, what he views as, as sin has changed. Uh, I don't think uh, his offer of, of, of grace to repent and to get right has changed. Uh, and so, again, we do well to, to just allow this to encourage our own hearts as well. God, search my heart today. Uh, search my life today. If there's things that are offensive to you today, again, help me to yield to you and know uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit and, and grace and strength from you uh, to get right. Uh, look at verses 6 and 7. Interesting. Uh, it, it seems to point to a growing chaos uh, throughout the land and uh, a chaos that would cause men to refuse to want to lead as, as God has intended. Verse 6, when a man shall take hold of his brother uh, of the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, uh, and let this ruin be under thy hand. In that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer. I'll, I'll not be a ruler who could help us get back to where we need to be. For in my house is neither bread nor clothing. I don't even have what I need to get from day to day. Uh, make me not a ruler of the people. Uh, as this chaos spreads throughout the land and as people begin uh, to suffer all this correction, uh, they'll be increasingly unwilling to be part of the solution, uh, turning more in on their own needs rather than the needs of others uh, in the land. And Gary, I think we see uh, this is probably something that we see throughout um, the world and to a certain extent in, in our country today. Um, people are just turned in on their self and, and their own needs rather than the greater needs uh, of their nation. And that's, that's certainly not a good thing. Uh, look at verse 8 here. Isaiah prophesies that at the end of God's judgment, if the people will not get right, uh, Judah will lie in ruin. Uh, it'll lie in ruin because they, they've just provoked the Lord with a refusal to get right. So these consequences will continue uh, until there's, there's just not much left. Verse 8, uh, this is a prophecy for Jerusalem uh, is ruined and Judah is fallen. Uh, Rich, the, the, the language there is interesting. The verb tenses are interesting. Uh, he's writing as if that has already happened. And that's something that we see uh, in prophetic passages of Scripture a lot. The, the prophet will give a prophecy, but state it in a, in a way with more like present or past tense verbs sometimes uh, as if it's already happened. And Gary, we look at that and kind of scratch our heads a little bit, but I think the answer or the explanation for that is that this is so certain. Uh, the, the Lord, it's so certain that God will bring this judgment to pass that it's as if it's already happened. And so he, he writes it this way, for Jerusalem is ruined uh, and Judah is fallen. Why? Because their tongue, their words, and their doings, their actions, they are against the Lord. 
uh, to provoke the eyes of his glory. Uh, their sinful speech and their sinful actions uh, provoke God to correct them. Yes, in a wrath, his wrath against sin, but also, again, it's the correction of a loving father uh, who loves his people and who chooses not to just allow them to continue in sin forever. God still has a great plan for the people of Judah. He's going to need to correct them to bring that plan uh, to pass. That's a loving parent. Verse 9, the show of their countenance doth witness against them, uh, and they declare their sin as Sodom. Uh, they hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil uh, unto themselves. One man said that the recurring references to Sodom may suggest the sin of homosexuality in Judah. That's a possibility. Of course, it is a sin to practice homosexuality. We, we say that in, in love, uh, not with hate toward anyone. Uh, that might be the case, but I think as we, as we saw before, as we suggested before, uh, I think it's just the Lord is uh, encouraging them to remember what happened in Sodom, uh, what happened to Gomorrah, uh, and, and to recognize that, hey, just, just as God meted out judgment against them, he will mete out judgment against us if we don't get right. Uh, further, we know that uh, in, in the days of, of God's pouring out judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah, Gary, people were practicing their sin out in the open. They, they weren't uh, trying to hide it at all. Uh, and the Lord is saying some, basically the same thing here. Judah, you've become so wicked that you're, you're practicing your sinfulness uh, right out in the open for everyone to see. Uh, is that happening uh, in our land today? Sadly, it is, right? Not only is all kinds of horrific sin being practiced out in the open, but the culture is celebrating that, encouraging it, uh, and, and even condemning people who would go so far as to label that as sin. And we know, uh, Brother Ray Metric, there's, there's no good end to that for a culture. There's no good end uh, to that for a culture. Um, we, we need to be willing, as God's people, uh, to call sin, sin, to, to label it as sin, uh, and to call sinners to repentance. But permit me to say this again this morning, that needs to be done in love. Amen? There, there's too many churches and too many preachers looking down their noses at a man or a woman who's fallen into this sin, uh, you know, while ignoring his own sin. Uh, yes, uh, homosexuality is a great sin. There's lots of you know, big sins that are being practiced out in, in, in the open. Uh, the sin of abortion, many things this, 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 at this time in history. Uh, they're great sins, and we need to be willing to call them that and to call people to repentance, but to do that with a, a heart of love for the individual, uh, not a heart filled with hatred, uh, as I fear is often the case. Should we hate the sin, Brother Ray? We should hate the sin, but we should have the same love for the sinner that the Lord does. God the Father loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. Uh, praise God. Praise him for that. Let's continue on. There's a, there's a hopeful uh, sign here in, in verses uh, 10 and 11. Uh, Isaiah wants to remind them that if they will get right, the uh, Lord will bless them. If they continue... Uh, in, in their uh, unrepentant wickedness, yes, there'll be judgment, but, but God will bless the righteous. 
uh, if they would choose to get right. Uh, he contrasts the hope of the righteous with the, uh, the warning and judgment, the coming judgment of the wicked. Verse 10, he says, uh, say ye, so the Lord to Isaiah, say ye, all of them, to the righteous, that it shall be well with him, uh, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Uh, for those who would be right with the Lord, uh, there will be blessings. It will be well with him. Uh, they shall eat the fruit of, of their doings. They would be blessed. Uh, of course, uh, as the other prophets uh, prophesied judgment uh, to both Judah to the south and, uh, and Israel to the north, this, these comparisons were, were made frequently. We won't take time uh, to look at that this morning, but uh, whenever the Lord warned of judgment for a refusal to repent, uh, he coupled that sooner or later with the reminder that if they would repent, uh, he would bless uh, Brother Ray, this is not a health and wealth gospel kind of thing. It's just that principle that we see repeatedly in Scripture, right? God desires to bless a righteous people. Uh, however, he will, uh, he will correct his people at when they fall into sin. Uh, again, this is his love on display. Uh, verse 11, but, but woe, woe unto the wicked, uh, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands uh, shall be given to him. The reward of wickedness is, is corrective judgment. And Isaiah comes back to this many times throughout uh, this book. We can make a couple of, of cross-references. Isaiah 48 uh, and verse 22. We'll get there eventually, uh, Lord willing. He says, there's no peace, saith the Lord, un unto the wicked. Uh, there'll be no peace for the wicked. Of course, we know that God used literal military campaigns to correct them, but probably refers to a peace in the heart also. Um, when you're not right with God, there's what? what? What is there in your heart? A thought? Do you have a thought? What's in your heart when you're not right? Trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, conviction. Uh, anything but peace, right? Uh, but when you get right, you just agree with the Lord, confess the sin, and look to him for strength to get right, and repent of the sin, forsake it, put on obedience in its place, there's peace. The Lord restores that blessing of peace in our hearts, and what a good thing that is. Um, look at verse 12, the Lord says to the people, as for my people, as for my people, they're still his people, uh, children are their oppressors, uh, and women rule over them. Much is made of that statement, uh, women rule over them. We understand it, it was not God's plan that, that women would rule uh, and exercise authority. And for the most part, we see throughout Scripture that it has been God's design that men occupy places of authority in the home, in churches. And so, um, you know, rich people when they have a problem with that, they take that up with the Lord, not the pastor, right? Uh, but I'd be happy to, to talk to you further about that if you struggle with that idea. But uh, again, this this would be reflective of God's judgment and the sort of the reversal of the order of things that God intended uh, in 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 Judah. As for my people, uh, next part of verse twelve: O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err. Uh, and destroy the way of thy past. This reflects uh, part of what was wrong, but I think part of the judgment that God would pour into land also. Uh, the Lord is pleading with the people. I think that's clear. 
Uh, he's sending this warning uh, through, is, through Isaiah. Verse 13, the Lord standeth up to plead uh, and, and standeth uh, to judge the people. This idea of the Lord standing, this, this picture uh, of his standing. Gary, understand Christ is now today, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, right? Uh, and we've talked about why that might literally be the case, and it is literally the case, evidently. Uh, the work that he was sent to accomplish, it has been accomplished, right? It, it is finished. And so he's, he's seated there uh, at the right hand of the Father. I understand he's interceding for us even today, but the work that he was sent to accomplish, it, it's completed. Here, Lord, is, is pictured as, as standing uh, rising to accomplish, I believe would be the idea, that which he desires to accomplish. He's, he's rising to plead with the people, please uh, get right with me. You are my people. I love you. I have great plans for you. And of course, you know, this is the Lord's pleading in, in our hearts today, the conviction of the Holy Spirit when we're not right with him. Uh, he standeth up to plead and standeth uh, to judge the people. Verse 14, the Lord will enter into judgment. Uh, with the ancients of his people, probably the older men are, are pictured there, uh, and the princes thereof, the leaders, uh, the leaders. And then uh, in the next part of verse 14 and verse 15, uh, he indicts them for a particular sin uh, of the leaders, and it would appear to be oppressing the poor. They have acted unjustly toward the poor, uh, as the, the, the leaders of, of the land. Verse 14, for ye have eaten up the vineyard, the spoil of the poor uh, is in your houses. They had been unjust, uh, perhaps in taxing the poor might be the idea. Uh, verse 15, what mean ye that ye beat my people to pieces and, and grind the faces of the poor, uh, saith the Lord God of hosts. They had been unjust, uh, not just in their dealings with the Lord, but in their dealings uh, with one another. Isn't it true that when people are right with the Lord, they are that much more likely to be right with each other? Isn't that just true? Uh, if, if someone is, is going around stirring up trouble, uh, if someone is acting unjustly or unloving uh, toward people in the church or people in the community, uh, you could just bet that that's someone, they may be saved, but they're just not right with the Lord. They're not where they should be. Uh, and, you know, we get angry at times. We want to beat people. Gary, you don't want to beat people up, do you? Uh, we, we want to, what we need to do is pray for that person. Pray for them. Lord, help me uh, to, to pray for that individual. God, if you give me opportunity, if I have an appropriate opportunity to uh, offer some, some correction, loving correction from your words, uh, yes, but... Uh, the, the, these leaders, they're not right with God, and, and so they're acting unjustly toward uh, the people. I want to go just a little bit further here this morning and um, cover just this next section. It's, it's an important part of God's indictment uh, of the people, and he takes a moment. This is a little bit unique in the book. He takes a moment to, uh, to look at, to comment on, to indict uh, the women of the land for their immodesty, for their immorality. Uh, this is important uh, because 
ladies, we, we know today from a variety of New Testament passages, God cares about the modesty uh, of women. Uh, here are the, the, the ladies of the land, many of them at least, as they got away from the Lord uh, they, and, and got more focused on themselves pridefully, uh, you can just tell a lust of the flesh and a modesty and an immorality began to rule in their hearts. And when something rules in your hearts, it, it spills forth into your life in, in a visible way. Uh, and, and, and God begins to correct the women uh, for their sin. Um, verse 16, moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion, the ladies, are haughty, prideful, uh, and walk with stretched forth necks, and, and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, uh, and making a tinkling with their feet. Now, I think we understand the picture here, right? There's, there, there's uh, women in the land who've become prideful uh, and who are trying to attract inappropriately, immorally, sinfully, doing what they can to attract the attention of men uh, with a certain goal in mind, right? Uh, language here brings, this is rooted in a pridefulness. It's rooted in a pridefulness, a prideful desire, no doubt that their lusts be satisfied. They walk with stretched forth necks, probably a picture of pridefulness. Someone else said it might be a picture of, of their desire to be alluring as they sort of uh, promote or display their necks in an alluring manner. The rest of the language of the verse implies that. Uh, the words underlying wanton and uh, and uh, mincing, the Hebrew words only appear here. They, they're only used here uh, in, in this passage. Wanton eyes uh, suggests the idea of looking at someone in an alluring or an enticing manner. Seducing with the eyes is the idea. Uh, walking and mincing, uh, maybe dancing is the idea, but walking in a way that is alluring uh, or seductive. Uh, the word underscoring mincing is used only here, but it has that idea, at least uh, in this context. These ladies are wrong with God in their hearts. They're pridefully uh, focused on satisfying their own lusts, and so they are out there doing what they can uh, to, to attract men uh, who might help them in that desire. You understand. Uh, the Bible is filled with warnings to men to stand guard against uh, women uh, who have taken this posture. Uh, the, the Bible is filled with warnings to ladies. Hey, don't be that woman. Uh, don't be that woman. Uh, you just make a note, 1 Timothy 2. Just make a note, 1 Timothy 2, uh, beginning in, in verse 8. Paul says, I will, and then he says some things. And in the next verse, I will that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Uh, in the next verse says, which becometh women professing godliness. Uh, the Lord desires that men maintain a modest appearance, and he certainly desires that ladies uh, maintain a modest appearance. Uh, that's God's desire. We have an article, a short article that I wrote, Some Biblical Principles of Modesty. Honestly, it kind of focuses on ladies, but brings men into that also. Uh, I have placed that article in the foyer. Lots of our folks have seen it already. Uh, it's, it's accessed on our website dozens of times every day, actually. People are searching for help in this area. And it's just a short little article, but I would encourage you, if you've not seen it, to grab one of those, take a look at it. It's meant to be a loving help. If you have any questions or 
complaints, <laughs> see the pastor, please. But but do do take a look at that if you if you've not seen it, uh, please. It is it is offered with a, a loving heart. Uh, the Lord, um, He will judge them. Uh, he will judge them. Verse seventeen. Therefore, the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of their head. Uh, of the daughters of Zion, the Lord will discover their secret parts. Much could be said of that. Verse 18, in that day, the, the day of judgment, the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet uh, and their calls. A little bit of vocabulary here to deal with. Uh, we'll do that quickly. Calls, this be a, a head dressing or head decoration, uh, probably a strap that was placed from the tip of uh, the top of the head to the tip of the, the brow, and then what could extend to the nose also. This is a, this is a, uh, a decorative thing. Uh, and their round tires like the moon. Uh, that's, that's, a surprising, that's a surprising statement. Um, their round tires like the moon. Um, it's, you know, it's a faithful translation. It, it, it probably refers to uh, moon-shaped jewelry is probably the idea. Maybe a pendant that was worn on the call uh, or around the neck. We do know that there was worship of, of the moon, you know, worship of the creation instead of the creator. Uh, and this could be, uh, could have been associated uh, with that. But whether or not that's the case, Laura's saying, listen, you, you are all focused on, pridefully focused on, uh, and in a modest appearance that will permit you opportunities uh, to satisfy your lust. He's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with these things. I'm going to put these things off of you, uh, including their round tires like the moon. Verse 19, their chains and bracelets and the mufflers, the bonnets and ornaments of the legs, the headbands, the tablets and earrings, the rings and nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparel, uh, the mantles, these would be outer garments, the wimples, wimples is a word that probably just refers to accessories in a, in a general sense, various different things that might accompany your, your garments. Uh, the wimples and the crisping pins, um, this, this could be jewelry, but might hint at a purse also. Uh, the glasses, uh, anytime we see that word, uh, it's, it's a mirror, it's a mirror. Uh, in, in Western New York, we just say mirror, sister. We don't say mirror, but it's mirror. Um, why would Lord deal with their mirrors? Uh, well, they were probably used as, as a, uh, uh, what? A prideful look at me, right? Well, I just want to look at myself, that, that kind of way. The fallen linen, the hoods and veils, it shall come to pass that instead of a sweet smell, there shall be stink. Instead of a girdle of rent, and instead of wet, a well-set hair baldness, picture of judgment here and instead of uh what is it oh <laughs> uh yeah in, instead of a stomacher um that's a word that's unfamiliar uh this is an outer garment and um you can study the word. It, it, it may be an outer garment that had a special use of, like for a holiday, not an everyday outer garment, but something special. Uh, Lord, in, instead of that, they would, they would know a girding of sackcloth uh, and burning instead of beauty. Well, sackcloth would be what? A picture of something that would be put on, that would be associated with what? With what? Sadness, uh, repentance might be pictured there. 
they, they would be driven to sadness by God's correction uh, and, and hopefully uh, to repentance. So, yeah, the Lord would accomplish this, this repentance in their life uh, by you know, taking a, removing blessings uh, and replacing that with correction. It would drive them to a, a sadness at their sin and, and a humble repentance. Um, a lady who struggles uh, in this area today will do well to say, Lord, help me to understand what is modest according to your word. Uh, help, help me to get my heart right with you that I might desire modesty. Uh, and Lord, then just give me a desire. Give me your grace and your strength to put off that which is immodest, not in the pastor's eyes, but Lord, in your eyes, uh, and, and to have an internal modesty that would be visible, that would be borne out in how I comport myself, how I attire myself, uh, and so forth. Uh, a, a lady, a, a woman of God can do just that and, and know a blessing in place of, of correction. Uh, we're at the end, so let's just conclude here quickly. There's a, there's a quick allusion to uh, military defeat, a judgment, men shall fall by the sword. So he's dealt with ladies, men don't get left out here. Men shall fall by the sword and thy mighty in the war. And her, her gates, Jerusalem ga Jerusalem's gates shall lament and mourn, again, an allusion to mourning, uh, and she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. Again, it, it concludes with a picture of repentance. God will accomplish correction, uh, which will lead to a humble repentance. Gary, looking back, these people could be very thankful for that. In the midst of correction, it did not feel good, I'm sure, and it doesn't feel good in our lives too. But if you've been through a period of correction, of the loving but difficult chastening of, of the Lord, uh, and you've responded to that with, with humble repentance, with correction, uh, no doubt you could look back on that time and say, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank, thank you for being a God who loves me enough to correct me. Thank you. That's what he's going to accomplish here, and that's what he accomplishes in our lives too. Lord, thank you. We need to stop there. Father, thank you this morning for your words. Lord, thank you uh, for the book of Isaiah. Lord, it reveals your heart, your mind, and your concern, your care and love for your people. Lord, I thank you today that you have no less care, concern, or love for us than you did uh, for the people of Judah in Isaiah's day. God, you desire to work in our lives, to grow us, correct us, strengthen us. Uh, Lord, humble us before you for our own good and for your your glory and honor. Lord, help us to get a hold of, of these ideas. And Lord, look to you to be a God who would search our hearts and lives. Lord, to, to find strength in you to put off that which displeases you, to find strength in you to put on that which pleases you, that we might know blessings that would bring you honor and glory. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for each one who came out to Sunday school this morning. Pray that you will work now in our next hour for your honor and your glory. We pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here this morning.